few weeks of we had COVID in there, and I, I'll just say uh, thank you to Brother Lee for uh, taking Bible study the the first Wednesday that I that I was out uh, with COVID, and uh, so he did a great job. I was I was participating from home like I tell everybody else, and, uh, and poor guy he had he had to use my notes, and so he had to make sense of what what was said in there, but I think he did a great job. Amen. Go ahead and give him a hand tonight. It's not, it's not easy to use somebody else's notes, but I, I really do. I think he did a great, great job. Um, and uh, we, we had Brother Beardsley for a couple Wednesdays and a Sunday, and I, what a great time we had. Isn't he, isn't he not, not just a good preacher, but he is a character? Amen. But I thank God that he, that the, he allows the Lord to use him. Uh, and he, he would not have come uh, if he did not feel like God wanted him to come. Uh, and I feel like uh, we, we need those shot in the arm, so to speak, uh, periodically. Uh, I know that you love your pastor, but sometimes it's nice to hear another voice. And, uh, and I thank God for uh, what's, what's part of the uh, five-fold ministry, and that is that, that uh, position uh, of the evangelist. I thank God for it. Praise God. But now we're back. I get to pick up my, my lessons. The, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We've got just a couple more. Uh, and so we're going to go right into it tonight. Uh, amen. So let's go to the book of Galatians. Praise God. The fifth chapter. Galatians in the New Testament. The fifth chapter. Galatians is just before Ephesians and after 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 5, when you have it, say amen. Brother Lee knows where I'm going, so I don't, he doesn't have to ask about the whole book or chapter. Wasn't that funny? Amen. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, want to read it with me? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against which there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Praise God. So because we have uh, been away from our lessons for a little while, uh, we're going to do a quick review. Yes, sir. Verse 26. We can read verse 26. Yeah. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. And that's, that's actually... Uh, not that particular verse, but that subject will be a part of our lesson tonight. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So we're going to do a quick review uh, of our lessons up to this point. So please bear with me, but uh, please feel free to engage when I pause or ask a question. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, I have said it every week, so hopefully you've got it. It begins with what? Submission. 
that word that we don't necessarily like to use or has lost context in our generation, it begins with submission. There is no fruitfulness without submission. Good. So we uh, started our look a number of weeks ago into the fruit of the Spirit. We find that Jesus, in his teaching, that he likens us to the branches. And he is what? The vine. So the branches must stay attached to the vine. He's the true vine, his father the husbandman. And so we, as the branches, must bear fruit. Or what happens to the branch? It gets cut off and thrown into the fire. Right. And so we must fulfill what God told Adam and Eve, what God told to Noah, and what God has purposed fruit to do is to be fruitful and multiply. We talked about the fruit of love. Anybody remember what the, the main Greek word of love in the New Testament that we, we talk about? Agape, right. What does agape mean? He jumps right to the, my favorite, the decided love. It's a choice, and it is unconditional, right. So it is both of those, without condition, and it is a choice. It's a choice to love without condition or in spite of conditions. Amen? All right, and so, uh, so it's not a shifting or changing type of love that changes with circumstances or feelings. It's a conscious decision to love. We bear that, uh, that characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit uh, because we have freely received, so we freely give. It's not for you. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not for you. It's for other people. Amen. We talked about joy. Joy. I love the scripture that tells us it is unspeakable and full of glory. Praise God. It's a joy that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Praise God. As we abide in Him, we receive joy, for it's in His presence, the psalmist said, that there is fullness of joy. He wants joy to remain in us so that His joy or our joy that we receive from Him is full. Everybody say full. Praise God. Amen. And I pray that we have joy, joy at the promises of God. It's joy that begets more joy that begets more joy. Amen. And so we talked about peace. Amen. There's a peace that, that we pray for. We pray for peace in our lives, in our homes, our marriages, our families. We pray for peace in the church, our city, hopefully, our our nation, pray for peace in the world, and we pray for peace specifically according to Scripture for Jerusalem. Amen. We need peace. Peace constantly is under attack, in case you haven't noticed that or seen that in the last couple of years. Uh, no doubt your peace has come under attack at some point. But Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. He's given peace to all of us. Peace is part of the evidence. Everybody say evidence. That sounds like fruit, doesn't it? Peace is part of the evidence uh, in our lives of the working of the Holy Ghost, but it is also something that we pursue through prayer and supplication. Amen. We talked what, about after peace. What was the next one? Somebody say that again. 
Long-suffering, okay? God is long-suffering to usward. Amen. What does long-suffering do? Suffers long, yes. What is the purpose for it? What is the purpose for long-suffering? Let me, let me just quickly back up and illustrate. Okay, parents, you ever uh, had those times that you wanted to correct your kids and, and you, 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 you start off and you say, I'm going to count to three and you better do it. It's okay, parents. I know you've done it. You say, I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half. Two and three quarters. I'm serious. Why do we do that? Patience, long-suffering. We give them the opportunity. Long-suffering gives opportunity to change. Opportunity for salvation. That's why God is long-suffering to us words. He's giving us opportunity. Praise God. Thank the Lord for his long-suffering. Amen. Gentleness. Gentleness was the next one. That is, uh, you can substitute the word in there, humility. Uh, David is an example of this. He had every reason to be able to boast, but rather he realized that it was the gentleness, the humility that God gave to him that is what made him great. We are admonished to be kind, good, and gentle to one another. We talked about the fruit of goodness. Goodness. Christians are to prove, uh, to cleave, to do, to work, to follow after, to be zealous of, to imitate, to overcome evil with goodness. Amen. There's none good but one who is God. Amen. Then the Lord is good to all. The scripture gives us an example in the life of Jesus, that of Martha and Mary. Martha chose uh, to do the work, to work around the house, to be a good servant to uh, everybody who was there. But it was Mary who, in spite of Martha's chiding, who, in spite of Martha's pushing and prodding, the Bible tells us, Jesus speaking says that Mary has chosen the good part, which was spending time at the feet of Jesus. We're admonished to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Amen. And then we talked about faith. Brother Lee talked about faith. Amen. And as we uh, was read in that lesson in Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And in that lesson on faith, we understand there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. As the branches in all of these things, but specifically in faith, as the branches, we don't find a source for faith outside of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the vine. We abide in Him. 
and so and as such as the branches as repeating what the writer of Hebrews says we hold fast the profession of our faith we can't survive without abiding in that vine amen we grow in faith we find our purpose in faith we strive together for the faith the gospel but the faith the characteristic of the fruit of the spirit must be evident how is faith evident soon as I say it, you're going to just, oh, I knew that. By works, faith without works is dead, being by itself. Faith is what causes us to pray like we did tonight, because we believe that God can. Faith causes us to seek, to act, to do. Faith is what allows miracles and signs and wonders. It allows salvation to happen. It causes us to walk in righteousness and holiness. Because the just shall live by faith. Praise God. And to sum up the discussion on faith, we can simply say that the characteristic of, the, of uh, that, that portion of the fruit of, of the Spirit, faith, simply is faithfulness. That would be the fruit. Faithfulness. Okay? Amen. So let's go to our secondary text that we have been reading over the last number of weeks. John chapter 15 verse number 1. We will talk tonight about the characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit that is meekness. Meekness. John chapter 15 and verse number 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Moses was one who was murmured about, complained about, disobeyed, frustrated. Am I, am I right? We, do we understand the same Moses from the scripture? He had all sorts of reason to be angry at the people of God. God himself was angry at the people of God. But Moses would stand in the gap. Moses would, uh, by what the scripture says, he would take up the hedge. He would stand between God and his people. Because Moses was able to respond to the circumstances, to what was happening to him. You hear that? Happening to him. Isn't that how we feel when things happen? Is that they're happening to us? Well, when they were happening to Moses, he was able to respond with this thing called meekness. 
Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 3. Scripture tells us that the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. Now that's quite the statement. To put it a little bit more modern, he's the meekest man in the world. That's, that's, a, that's quite the bold proclamation. Now Jesus... He uh, lifted that, that word meekness from its, its narrow context. And we're gonna, I'm going to flesh this out a little bit. But, but he took that, that meekness word and lifted it from its narrow context and made it refer primarily to our relationship with God. A man named William Barclay, he, he wrote commentary and in his comments on Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he adds that meekness is the, the most untranslatable of the words in the New Testament. I'm going to say it again just so you understand what I'm saying. It is the most untranslatable word in the New Testament. Some have tried to uh, use humility to try to define meekness. But both the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, that's the original languages of the Old and New Testament, the Hebrew and the Greek have specific words that are synonyms for humility. So, so it doesn't mean meekness. It's a different, totally different thing. Besides, humility doesn't fully catch its meaning. Another word that's associated with meekness is gentleness. But the same thing is true with gentleness, is that there are words in the Hebrew and Greek that specifically translate as gentleness. So both of those things, the gentleness and humility, they can be part of meekness, but it's not really either one of them. The characteristics of meekness uh, and the use of it are, are more involved than either one of them. If you uh, translate, we've got some folks that speak Spanish here. There's some things that just don't quite translate properly to English or vice versa. Specifically, when we go from English and we use uh, uh, you know, statements or comments uh, that, that uh, well, you hit that one to the park. Well, that, that gets translated literally as though you were playing baseball when we're in church. You understand what I mean? So it doesn't quite translate properly. And that's what's happening with the word meek or meekness. The Hebrew word translated meekness is onah. It means to, uh, uh, in a figurative sense, to be depressed, to be uh, gentle in mind or uh, needy in circumstances. Okay? To be humbly, lowly. The translation depends upon the context that is around it. There's a, another big book called the uh, Jesenius Hebrew Chaldee Lexicon. Anybody got that in your library? I don't either. But it adds uh, this definition. It means to be afflicted or miserable 
commonly with the added notion of lowly or pious or of modest mind, which prefers to bear injuries rather than to return them. Does that, everybody understand that? That it, it, it would rather receive injury than to give injury. The theological workbook of the Old Testament, there's another big book, indicates why this word is so difficult to express in a single term. They say that anah expresses the intended outcome of affliction. It expresses the intended outcome of affliction. Take it back to that other person's definition to receive injury rather than to give it. I would rather see this type of outcome where we can be reconciled. I'll take the injury rather than respond with my words or fists or whatever. Folks, isn't that... Let's be real. When someone uh, says something mean to you, you want to give it back, don't you? Yeah! That's the way we satisfy our flesh. That's how I'm going to feel better. But meekness says, I would rather take the injury than to give one because the outcome matters. Let that sink in for a little bit. The outcome is what it's all about. Now, the Greek word that's translated for meek or meekness, uh, I, I, I struggle with this one, so please forgive me. Uh, Preutis, uh, they, uh, the same one, uh, Barclay, that I mentioned uh, earlier, the commentator, uh, he, he says it's no easier in the Greek. Uh, it only defines it as mildness. Uh, Vincent's word studies of the New Testament says that uh, Plato, anybody heard of Plato? That he, he uh, it says that Plato opposes it to fierceness or cruelty. So the opposite of fierceness or cruelty. So according to Aristotle, that Greek word praetis uh, is the middle standing between two extremes. It's the middle standing between two extremes. Here's the two extremes. Getting angry without reason and not getting angry at all. So it's somewhere in between there. So therefore, praetis is getting angry at the right time, in the right measure, and for the right reason. We, we've often heard it preached like this. Be angry and sin not. Right? It's a condition of the mind and heart which demonstrates gentleness, not in weakness, but in power. It demonstrates gentleness, not in weakness, but in power. It's a balance that is born of strength of character. Mm 
So just for those that, that can't hear, because not just here, but those at home, uh, saying it's, it's contentment with who you are. And I would dare say that, that I, can, I can see that as being a, a vital part of this because as I tell people that, that uh, are on my team at work, that I, I'm coaching them through the day, trying to help them uh, grow in their jobs and their positions, and sometimes they get things right. Most of the time they get things right. Sometimes they get things wrong. And sometimes they get frustrated with things that they can't control. And I tell them, control what you can, and don't stress about what you can't control. Be content with who you are and what you can do. Okay? Godly meekness is impossible unless we first learn a just and lowly estimate of ourselves. In other words, becoming like Jesus says, poor in spirit. We do that by coming to God in deep prayer, repentance, with a clear knowledge of the vast difference between ourselves and who He is. And understanding what He's meant for us to be. There's your contentment with who we are. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. While pride destroys self and others, meekness serves and builds. Praetis, that word, has a fuller and deeper meaning. It consists not in a person's outward behavior only, nor yet in his relationship with fellow man. It, it, it goes deeper. So let's talk about this word meekness or meek. So we understand as we've been going through this series of lessons, we talk about the vine first because he is the source. We've got to talk about where the source and where this all comes from. Then we'll talk about us as the branches and then the fruit that we must bear. So when we talk about the vine, Jesus himself being the true vine, we understand that he is the source of all of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, keep your Bibles at the ready, or, or if you want Brother Lee to do all of the work, you can just watch the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1. I'm trying to help them do some heavy lifting for you, Brother Lee. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by what? By the meekness and of who? Of Christ. So he's, he's, he's beseeching them. He's asking for their favor not by his own meekness or gentleness, but by the meekness and gentleness that comes from Christ. And he finishes that off by saying, who, who in presence am base among you and being absent and bold towards you. So he, he knows how to respond to them in a manner that they will receive. 
Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus makes the statement. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't we just love that verse? Oh, that just, you just feel at peace when you've just finished that, reading that verse. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I, what does he say he is? I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. He is meek. We're talking about Jesus being the true vine. He's the source of this meekness. Yes, sir. Uh, any of these things that we talk about absolutely could to be a, a target for, for those who hate the things of God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But... As we're seeing tonight, especially when we're talking about meekness, because remember Moses served as a great example, and now we're looking directly at Jesus. Both of them suffered at the hands of other people, murmuring, complaining about their leadership, about uh, how they were doing things, and Jesus even suffering to the point of his own death. So yeah, we, Jesus said we will suffer. But thankfully he gives us, he is the source of this meekness. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before his shears is dumb. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we are a, a, a sheep gone astray. Yep. Amen. And so uh, so it begins, remember where it, be, where it all begins? Submission. Submission. It all begins with submission. If meekness isn't weakness, then what is it? The word has an association with domesticated animals, specifically beasts of burden. When we first look at the etymology of this word meekness, it's not one that, that really is going to cause you to jump up and down and be excited because none of us really want to be compared to an ox. Anybody like being compared to an ox? <laughs> it's big and strong. <laughs> we might like that, but, you know, ugly, some here, ugly over here, and no, I don't want to be ugly. But when you think about it, and this might help illustrate this word meekness, when you think about it, an ox that is at the plow is not weak, but rather is extraordinarily strong. The key, though, is that the power of that ox is harnessed and given direction. Remember we talked about the outcome. Those that are meek are concerned more about the outcome. And so when we look at meekness, when we look at the ox, the power of the ox is harnessed 
and given direction. Great strength, but still subdued. Submitted. Everybody understand that? Perhaps meekness is strength that is submitted to an appropriate authority. In our case, we're looking at Christ. Where does it all begin? Submission. So, Jesus being the true vine, meekness flows from Him. So, what does He do? He helps the meek. In uh, Psalm 147, verse 6, I'm going to go through uh, some of these a little bit quicker tonight. Psalm 147, verse 6, tells us that the Lord lifts up the meek. Cast the wicked down to the ground, but He lifts up the meek. Psalm 149, verse 4, the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Anybody want to be beautiful? He'll beautify the meek with salvation. He saves in Psalm 76, verse 8. Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah. Amen. He's going to save the meek. Isn't that what Jesus said, that the meek shall inherit the earth? The meek get to do something else pretty cool. Brother, Brother Beardsley would really like this. Psalm 22, verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Just insert in there parentheses, McRib, and he would be happy. Amen. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. For the meek, again, he's the source. No, we can't, we, we get our meekness from him. So, so as we are meek, we're receiving from him. And these are the things that he is doing for those who are meek. Psalm 25, verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his way. Amen. Isaiah 61, verse 1. You'll recognize this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. I, I cannot not finish that. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. But he, he says, the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. That means that there is power. When you think of that word meek, there is power, but it is controlled. It is submitted. Where does it all begin? Submission. Where, does the, where do we talk about submission with meekness as the fruit of the Spirit? We are the branches. He is the vine. If we are cut off from Him, we have no strength in ourselves. And so, we receive from Him, and He does these things for 
those who receive from him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And he says, I am the vine and my father's the husbandman. Before, before he knew the Lord, I, I can't, I can't speak, I can't necessarily speak directly because there's no necessarily scripture, but, but I can tell you that that no doubt that God put him in that place in the palace to learn some things. Delilah, Samson and Delilah. I, mm -hmm. the, 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 I'm going to say the, the yes. <laughs> because can, it can happen in moments where in moments you express meekness and I would say Samson is part of that because Samson his life was not lived in meekness but in moments when he recognized that his strength came from God that's where he exhibited meekness because he recognized the power that he had is not his own does that make sense? So, so, so Samson, it fits in the first part where it's moments of meekness. Moses exhibited a life of meekness. Right. Now, is, that's what we're talking about tonight to finish answering your question is yes, it, 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 with, even without training and instruction, we can still exhibit meekness but we won't necessarily recognize it. But with training and instruction, with awareness, understanding from Scripture, we can grow and develop. And that's what, what Paul is talking about when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. These things come through, through the help of the Holy Ghost in us. Because that's what he says. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost in us that's empowering us to do these things because our flesh wants to rise up and curse somebody out who has just cursed us out. Now, that's just giving a very big example. Pastor's not going around trying to curse everybody out. But you understand the point. We talk about it in my job because I work in customer service. When we get people calling in, we cannot respond to them in kind. It's controlled power. We're harnessed, given direction. Understand, you don't want the people you call being as upset with you as you are with them. 
even though they did nothing to you. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're controlling that. And, and that. and that gets to the point of what, what we don't like to say is discipline. And I got to be careful because I got to I got to come back to this. I got to be meek with the lesson. Think about this for a moment. When we receive the Holy Ghost, the the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost from what we can see in the book of Acts is that the the common evidence is is that we would speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And James tells us that, that if we can control the tongue, he says that no man can contain the tongue. Okay? Who can tame the tongue? God only. And it becomes like a, like a, a, a bit in the horse's mouth. You don't know what the bit in the horse's mouth is. The, the harness, the reins that go on the horse, that's what you use to turn them. It's not attached to their head or their neck. There's a piece of metal in their mouth that when you pull this side, they're going that way. When you pull this side, they're going that way. And that's the example that is given in Scripture. And so so it's controlled power. Controlled power. And that's what the Holy Ghost does for us. Not, Not... uh, not yanking on the reins in our lives, but but speaking into our our lives, uh, helping us to to uh, realize that that what we're doing, we can do better. That we don't have to give into that temptation. That we don't have to respond as mean as they're responding to us. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to say self control. Under the power of the Holy Ghost, okay, because there is a level of self-control that we can exhibit in the flesh. But when you start coming against spiritual wickedness in high places, when people start coming at you and you and there's something that's just uh, that, that that is is you, you you begin to feel a spirit that is battling you because we understand the Scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I've got to be careful to keep going. Let, let, me, let me finish this thought. That we wrestle against, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, so uh, without trying to make everything super spiritualized, we do have to recognize that as much as we're living in this flesh, we don't have to walk in this flesh. That's what Paul is telling us that we can walk in the Spirit. And when we do that, we realize that when somebody, when somebody's coming against us, I'm just, I keep using that as an example because it's an easy one. When we see, uh, when we see Karens, young people, these old people don't know that. When we see people acting the fool, that they're angry at, at you or angry at the people around you, understand that there is still there's going to be a spirit 
attached to that. And we have to recognize that as we live in this world around us, that people are sinners. They're not trying to live according to the Spirit like you and I are. They're not living under the direction and guidance of the Holy Ghost like you and I are. They're being guided by their, their sinful nature. Everybody with me? And so, so uh, when we get to, we'll, there's another series of lessons that we'll go through, but one of those will address uh, uh, temperance, which is self-control. But thankfully, we don't have to do it by ourselves. We can stay connected to the vine and be guided by the Holy Ghost. Okay? I'm going to move forward because I've got I to get... All right. So we're, so we're talking about the branches. So we've talked about the vine. He is the source. We are the branches. So we must seek meekness. This is part of our development. This is part of our growth. This is part of the discipline. We must seek meekness in our lives. Psalm 22, verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Remember we read that? And they shall praise the Lord that seek Him. That seek Him. We've got to seek Him. Zephaniah chapter number 2, verse 3. Seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. We need to seek the meekness of the Lord. Something we have to develop in our growth, our walk with him. We have to come to an understanding that we are not our own. We're bought with a price, the scripture says. Our strength, our power, like Samson, is not found in ourselves, but rather in the vine. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 19. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. These are things that happen as we grow in Him. As we grow in Him. But we have to receive with meekness. The things that God brings into our lives, folks, if God did, Lord, please do. If God did, put in my lap a million dollars without me playing the lottery. Because I don't do that. Neither should you. But if God did decide to drop a million dollars in my lap, I will be excited, like Brother Beardsley mentioned on Sunday. But it's something that, you, that I would not want to go around and just blab to everybody, I got a million dollars, I got a million dollars. There's temptation to do so. But receiving with meekness tempers that. And the same, not just with the good things, but the same with the bad things. We receive with meekness. So 
what Moses did. That's what Jesus did. James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Folks, we've got something greater than a million dollars. We've got something greater than anything this world can provide to us. And we don't go around bashing people on the head with the Bible. You've seen those people. Oh, I believe in preaching the word. I believe in not watering this thing down. But we receive it with meekness. Who am I that God would see fit to share this truth with me? Who am I that God would see fit to save my soul? And so we receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. In verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. So it's not being stubborn. It's not seeking your own way. It's receiving with meekness. God, thank you for this. Thank you for speaking into my life. Folks, this is the very word of God. How awesome is that? Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God spoke to them these words. And they wrote it down. And we get to read it. Isn't that amazing? And we get to use it. As it is written, as it is written, praise God. Paul was knocked off his high horse, and the Lord confronted him. In Acts chapter number 9, verse number 4, he fell to the earth, heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks hard for you and so what we know of, of Saul is that he ended up receiving the word of God with meekness at that moment that he was struck blind he wasn't worrying about the papers that gave him authority he said who are you Lord isn't that amazing this meekness is exercised first toward God. As we receive from Him, that meekness is exercised first toward Him. Amen. And is the temper of the Spirit in which we accept His dealings with us as good, and therefore we do not dispute or resist what God is telling us. That's how you receive with meekness. We cannot fight against God and still be meek. 
Jesus was meek, not because he was powerless, but rather because he has all power. One of the richest men in the world. Anybody ever heard of Warren Buffett? Billions of dollars. He gives away billions of dollars. He can afford to have somebody cook him whatever he wants. But Derek, where does he go to eat? He goes to McDonald's every day. I forget the meal that he gets, but he always has a Diet Coke with it. The dude has billions of dollars. But he's going to the same place that you and I will go. I don't have billions of dollars. That is, if you translate that to the power of God, to what we have in Christ, that is meekness. There's power that we have through Christ, amen, even to the pulling down of strongholds of the enemy. Power as we prayed in Jesus' name tonight power in the Spirit of God, power through the blood of Christ. We have power really without measure because He is without measure. And yet, we are meek, receiving with meekness. How many times have you heard the Word of God? been confronted with the need to change, but decided that you'll continue on your way. Meekness allows you to be open to change, to the direction that God wants to bring in your life. Meekness helps us to be the man, the woman of God that he has purposed us to be. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. He's writing to the young preacher Timothy, Paul is. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. That should humble us right there. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content, but, that, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. What's the last one? Meekness. Meekness. A man of God or woman of God must or will respond instead of react. You know the difference. Reacting is what happens when your leg, your knee gets hit by the doctor with a little hammer. You can't control that. It just happens. 
Response is controlled and measured. That response is measured as children of God with mercy, with righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and patience. Amen. That's when we talk about being the branches. Meekness is necessary for unity. I'm trying to hurry. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. We receive, we're purposed to give. Amen. Meekness allows us to see the faults and failings of others and look to help rather than condemn. Look to uh, allow them to change rather than putting them back in their box. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And meekness is vital in that. Meekness is vital in that. When someone offends you, hurts you. Meekness receives it. As we receive meekness from the Lord, we receive it and understand that, you know what? Offenses will come, Jesus said. Offenses will come. But I don't have to be offensive. Amen. So we talk quickly about the fruit. I'm going to move quickly through this portion. Uh, we talk about the fruit. We receive as the branches from the vine. We must bear forth fruit. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. Key word, spiritual. If you're not spiritual, you need to get spiritual. <laughs> you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And he even gives instruction on how to do that. What does he say? Consider yourself lest you be tempted. You know who you were. You know the life you came out of. You know what God has done for you. The mercies that he's poured into your life. Think about that when you're dealing with somebody else who has fallen and failed. Amen. Titus, Paul writes to Titus, I'm not going to go through the whole portion of Scripture, but Titus um, chapter 3, verse 2, uh, speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Showing all meekness unto all men. And he says the very very similar type thing. Meekness needs to be an ornament 
in the decoration of the holiness of God in our lives. Very simply put, it needs to be like the fruit hanging on the tree that makes the, the tree beautiful. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Paul, in this portion of Scripture, is speaking to the ladies. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. The husband's watching you. And ladies, in verse number uh, three, he says, whose adorning, that means your outward appearance, what you put on, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, that means putting all sorts of decorations in there, of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. You don't have to dress fancy and put on $1,000 clothing. But he says, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. And what does he say here? Even the ornament. Anybody plan on decorating a Christmas tree this year? Okay, a couple of you. What do you put on the Christmas tree? Ornaments. They make it look shiny and beautiful. And so Paul is saying that we it's not, the, it's not the outward man, but the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament, what makes you beautiful, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. After this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, they adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And we see what, what Paul is writing now, he talks to the men as well. But in this portion, he's talking to the ladies. That rather than decorating yourself up, let it be the meek and quiet spirit that becomes an ornament to you. Guys, that, that, that addresses us as well. It doesn't leave us out of that. When we put on all sorts of things, and decorate ourselves up. Who's getting the attention? We are. Who should the attention be directed to? The Lord. We don't want people to see us necessarily. We want them to see Christ in us. The hope of glory. Does that mean that we look frumpy and we dress down? We can still look nice, but we don't decorate ourselves like a Christmas tree. We let the Holy Ghost in us be the beauty that is put out for all the world to see. Meekness is evidence of wisdom. I'm almost done. Meekness is evidence of wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, not, that's not just your words, that's your life, his works, how? With 
meekness of wisdom. That doesn't mean to be a know-it-all. Controlled power. Directed power. A wise man, Solomon says, wins souls. You know what that means? That means that a wise man knows how to convince people, bring them over to his way. That's what he's meaning. You know how to persuade people. That's not through being a, a, a sales, salesman with a sales pitch. That means to give reason. A reasoned argument. And how do we do that if we're yelling and screaming? How do we do that if we're so quiet and timid? that we can't present the argument. Controlled power. Some of you, you're on the high side. Some of you, you're going to react. You're going to be the, the ones that raise your voices. You're going to get demonstrative. And that's who you are. You say, but pastor, that's just who I am. Right? That's our excuse, isn't it? It's just who I am. Then we've got other people who don't want to speak out. And they're quiet. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so they keep to themselves. And there are two extremes. But do you remember what we talked about at the beginning? Meekness is somewhere in between. It's controlled power. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, last portion of Scripture. The servant of the Lord must not strive. That means not fight. Not be at war, at, at odds with everybody. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. That sounds pretty good. Verse 25. In what? Meekness. Instructing those that oppose themselves. Think about that for a second. When someone's yelling at you if you're in customer service... Are they really hurting you? Folks, I, I, I just work for the bank. I don't make the policies. The more you yell at me, the less I can do. You're opposing yourself. Perfect. Folks, this is what the Word says. That's why your pastor preaches using the Bible as much as I do because it's, you can't look at me and look at anybody else and say, well, pastor says. This is what the Bible says. And to do anything opposite of that, you're opposing yourself. Let me put it a different way. You're hurting yourself. So in meekness, we instruct those who oppose themselves. If God would peradventure 
give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Folks, that's what it's about. When we are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in this particular uh, characteristic of meekness, all of it, everything that God has done through history is all for and toward our salvation because God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And if we can respond to this world and show this world who is opposing themselves what the Word of God says, might see some people saved, turn from their sins. Those in the world, those that are backsliding, those that are struggling, they don't need your judgment. They don't need your condemnation. What they need is a way back. God help us not to have to show how strong we are by revealing how weak someone else is. Because that difference is not found in our own selves. But it's rather found through our connection in the vine. What we can share with those who struggle, those who are backslidden, those who are lost, we can show them the way back. Get connected to the vine like I am. I don't deserve it, but he loves me anyway. I'm not my own. And that becomes the secret to meekness. Would you stand with me tonight? I think the music was too long tonight. That's why we're out so late. had nothing to do with the long-winded preacher. Let's pray right now.